Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome to Business of Design podcast. You're in the right place if you're an interior design professional, if you're an architect, a landscaper, uh, uh, a decorator, a stager, a stylist, or if you earn a living uh, doing something that's creative and you're billing for it by the hour, welcome, you're in the right place. We've been doing the podcast now for quite a few months and it's starting to really feel like it has its own personality. And that was driven home to me recently when I I went on Facebook to talk about today's topic. We have Vicki Sanderson back. She's a professional writer and she refers to herself as an opinionista, which I thought was such a great moniker. So I asked her in this podcast about being an opinionista and following our interview, I reached out to the Facebook community and you wonderful people, you, you came back with your opinion on interior design and decor. And it was so much fun hearing what everyone had to say. Plus, it was just so empowering to be able to state your opinion and know that it wasn't going to hurt anyone and it wasn't going to, you know, devolve into a food fight uh, online because it's just design and decorating. So I started things off by saying that I'm not a big fan of the feature wall. Uh, You know, all the room is white and then there's one blue wall or one purple wall or one red wall. Uh, I find it's a great way to highlight a choice of a paint color, but that's a relatively inexpensive purchase. And I would rather the attention be on a great sofa or a beautiful piece of art. So I'm not a big fan of the feature wall. I am open to being persuaded that I'm wrong on this point. So if you have a differing opinion, I would love to hear it. I also shared that I don't love mint green. uh, And that elicited quite a few comments. So enough about what I think. I want to know more about what you think. So I'm going to read some of the comments on my Facebook page. Colleen Jameson in Vancouver says, um, I hate puff-a-lump upholstery. So I'm assuming she means overstuffed, you know, two big arms, etc. Lots of comments back that uh, people agreed with that. Anne-Marie Vanstone says, boob lights. And I had to ask her, what are boob lights? So she sent a picture of, you know, that typical builder's uh, round uh, flush mount ceiling fixture that has a little finial on the bottom. And I got to give it to you, Anne-Marie. Yeah, that's that's what it looks like. And I'll never look at them the same. Um, Christina Symes Rodriguez says, peach or band-aid colored walls. Oh, I know what you mean by that. Like flesh tones. Oh, I hate flesh tones. I agree. Stephanie O'Leary says she hates corner fireplaces. Yes, I'm with you on that as well. Lots of people mentioned that they don't like things that are out of scale. Artwork hung too high, uh, light fixtures hung too low, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Krista Reiner Hefty says she hates white ceilings. Oh yeah. Unless the walls are white. I'm kind of with you on that one too. And Sarah Lawrence Gunn says she loves mint green. So she disagrees with my choice that mint green is a lousy color to live with. And that's cool. She also loves pretty much every pastel out there. 
There was a lively discussion started by Joanne Wallace that has to do with hiding the dog bowl and hiding the dog's water. And people who have dogs say it's silly. It has to stay out all the time. And she says, but it's so tidy when you're able to put it away. So it was great to see some respectful and polite discourse and to know that we can have a different opinion and that's okay. We can still be friends. Uh, Farah Saeed says, oversized, bulky, ugly sectional sofas. Any one of those, right? Oversized, bulky, or ugly. Get rid of them. Sharon Laxon agreed with what Colleen Jameson said, but she's going to also point out that she does not like matching bedroom furniture or matching period uh, matching furniture, period. Uh, She does not like furniture that's set up flat against the walls, area rugs that are too small, or homes that do not have accessories. Lisa Jones says she hates a room that's been bought at a single store. The entire house decorated, for example, in restoration hardware, and somebody chimed in with, yeah, or crate and barrel, so that's a thing as well. Susie Rugg agreed with me about those accent walls. Thank you so much. But she does love a huge statement of artwork or wallpaper. I completely agree. And Keely Cole says she hates the television over the fireplace. And a lot of people echoed that sentiment as well. Anyway, clearly we had some stuff to get off our minds. And This whole conversation was started because I think sometimes as a professional designer, one of the things you're hired to do is have a very strong opinion. And that can be easy when you're with your designer friends and all of us are talking among ourselves. It can be way more challenging when you're face-to-face with a client who says, I just love fill-in-the-blank, live-edge tables. Somebody said they don't like, oh, Vicky in the podcast says she doesn't like live-edge tables. I currently have a client who really wants a live-edge table. So I want to always weigh my opinion, my preference for things against whether or not it's the right thing for the customer. So in this case, it's a cottage. There's lots of natural materials, a bit of rustic uh, going on in the cottage space. And a live edge table, whether or not I like them personally, is a good choice. So that's easy. I can do that happily for a client. Now, what do you do with that client who's got an ultra groovy modern contemporary space and suddenly they want to add in beadboard on the walls and a live edge table and that's going to completely ruin your vibe. I think uh, at my advanced age here, I'm able to say to a customer that is not cohesive with everything you told me you want to accomplish. And I'm able to do that. But if you're just starting out, if you've not ever been comfortable owning your opinion, that can be really tricky. I've shared this tip before, but I'm going to say it again. Sometimes when I have a contentious statement to throw down, or I think it's going to be met with disagreement by a client, I will prompt myself to say the thing I need to say. Just say the thing. Get it out there. And then I'll sit on my hands as a physical reminder to now be quiet and listen to my clients. If any of my clients listen to this podcast, they're going to crack up when they see me put my hands under my thighs and sit on my hands because they're going to know exactly what I'm doing. But I do that it does help. If you have a tip for how you are able to state your truth and own it, we would love to hear about that as well. And by the way, I can tell from all these opinions that you guys are the experts. So 
more of you need to reach out and be on the podcast and have an opinion about what you do professionally, because I know you got some mad talent and skills out there, and some of you are going to love being on the podcast. So please reach out to us. And also, if you do like the podcast, you help us out a lot. If you can subscribe to it, if you can share episodes, if you can talk about it, we appreciate it. It matters to us, and we love to keep bringing you more content. So great story ideas are always welcome. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden, brought to you by Business of Design, a coaching community for independent designers like you. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Cheryl, how do you even have time to join me on this call with the holidays so nearby? Oh, I know it's getting busy, but we're wrapping up the year and um, well into our planning for for next year. So uh, right now we're just actually wrapping up our uh, webinar series. All year we've been walking everybody through the 15 steps and we're on the last two steps, 14 and 15, project closure. Um, So make sure you join us for that webinar on December 13th. And if you've missed any of them, the recordings from all of our webinars, all 15 steps are available for you in the courses section on business of design. Very good. Wow. 15 steps. We made it through. It's been kind of a big year. Yes. Oh, it's, yeah. But we've had such great feedback on these steps. I think it's really helpful for people to not only learn what your 15 steps are, but how to actually take the little steps it takes to implement them into their businesses. So we've had such great response from this. And again, the recordings are there for anybody who wants to um, catch up and hopefully maybe catch up before next week when you can uh, join us for that very last step. Just briefly, I know we've mentioned it on the last couple of podcasts, but High Point is coming up, Cheryl. Again, there's still time to sign up and take advantage of the fact that we have our own hotel and travel agent and hotel rooms book up really quickly. What are the dates again, Cheryl? So it's coming up on April 13th to 15th. 15th sorry. Okay. Um, the cost is uh, $1,195, but registering before the end of the year, because we're really encouraging people to do it, um, is only a 50% deposit because not only should you be signing up for the um, our group trip now, but book your hotels early. They do sell out. We have a block of rooms, um, but again, our the number we could block are limited uh, because they sell out so quickly. So if you want to join us, uh, get in there. It's only 50% before the end of the year, and we will um, hook you up with our travel agent in order to get your room booked as well. Yay! And we'll hang around together at the market, the learnings, the drinking. It'll all be a group, and everybody at the market is going to be super jealous. They're not hanging around with us, so... Uh, <laughs> Do come if you've never been to High Point before. Do come along. And if you have been to High Point before, but you're looking to enhance and enrich the experience, this is a trip for you. Thanks, Cheryl. And now back to the episode. Vicki Sanderson is a professional writer with a column in the Toronto Star and Renault and Decor magazine, a magazine that I also write for. Um, She has a wealth of knowledge since she's been doing this for more than 20 years, and her beat is exclusively interior design and decor. This whole podcast got started because I noticed on her new website, aroundthehouse.ca, there were two sections that really got my attention. One of them is Ask Aunt Vicki 
where you can ask her anything and know that you're going to get advice from someone who's been on this beat a long time. And the second one is peace of mind, a peace of my mind, uh, where she is able to unleash her big opinions. And I know she has some because I follow her on social media. Hey, Vicki is back. Nice to have you again. Thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Well, last time you were very gracious in sharing information we all need to know about how to reach those professional writers who can help us use the media to enhance our brand and get our message across. And during that conversation, we touched on the fact that I have known you for a long time, of course, through the columns you've written for the Toronto Star, for various design publications, etc. Um, you're one of a rare league of truly professional writers who do that full-time for a living, which is amazing. And we also touched on the fact that Around the House is your website that you launched. And it it speaks, I think, more um, visually to the personality I see you have on social media. So sometimes when you're writing a column about a beautiful home, uh, you're kind of in the groove of that storyline. But on social media, I see sometimes that you have a really big opinion and a big personality. And you've mentioned in your bio that you consider yourself to be an opinionista. So why don't we start there? What is an opinionista and how can I be one? Well, um, anybody can be one as long as they're not afraid to uh, say what they think. Now, I'd add, I hope that I express my opinions with, you know, respect and consideration um, of others, but um, I'm always fascinated by what other people think. Um, I'm fascinated by how people uh, view things differently than, than, than I do. And I'm just, I'm never afraid to debate or, or engage. Okay. So of course you're respectful all the time. How do you, how do you start out if you're someone who's kind of been afraid to show your personality? And this is going to tie in, by the way, in a much bigger way to being an interior design professional, because the bottom line in our career is clients are hiring us to have an opinion. And sometimes that's very scary for us to have an opinion. So I think social media is a good place to kind of start developing your chops in terms of having an opinion. But how do you, how do you start? Maybe I should just ask you that question. If you haven't been used to stating your opinion, even when it's different than the opinion of some of your friends, how do you take your first baby steps? Well, that's a, that's a, sort of a challenging one for me because I have always been extremely opinionated, and some of my earliest memories are of people, teachers telling me that, um, you know, little girls should be more quiet than I am, and I should, you know, stop telling everybody uh, what I think. And uh, people don't really like, uh, you know, little girls who have who have too much to say. So for me, it's almost been like some kind of compulsion. I've always, always just, you know, said what's on my mind. And so sometimes it's it's hard for me to understand that other people aren't like that. Um, but but that I, I I know that it's 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 the case. So I think the very first thing you start with is to just have a sense of you have a right to an opinion. You have a right to uh, say what you think about 
what is happening in the world, what's, you know, happening in the room that you're decorating in, what's, uh, you know, how you feel about the way people around you are treating you or, or others. We all have a right to our own point of view. It's called freedom of thought, freedom of conscience, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But, but it's okay for you to be, to, for you to have, to have an opinion. And that's what I've been, you know, telling myself since I was about six years old. So first of all, give yourself permission. And is social media a safe place to start trying it out? Like I'm thinking, for example, I, I'm strongly opinionated. I think we had the same upbringing. And I, I will add too that I think the messages I got as a little girl were very different than the messages my brothers got. But as a little girl, I was told, be quiet, don't rock the boat. Nobody likes a mouthy broad. You know, turns out yeah. I'm a mouthy broad yeah. dog on it. That just is how that turned out. Um, so can I, I, for example, I'll go out on a limb right now and say, I don't like feature walls. And lots of people love feature walls. You see them on Facebook. You see them on Pinterest. Um, people write about them all the time. And 95% of the time, I think they're a very bad idea. So I'm going to put that out yeah. on social media. Yeah. What should I be? Ex- what should I expect to happen when I state an opinion like that? What's going to happen to me next? Well, first of all, I am at this advanced stage in my life. I've decided. You know what? Actually, lots of people like mouthy broads. I get so many. I have so so often have the experience where someone comes up to me and says, "Oh, I love your rants on Facebook." You know, I I would never do that, but but I love to read yours. People do like a mouthy broad as long as she's not, you know, nasty. But people tend not to like nasty people in general. So, I I think that um, I, I think I think that people actually do are, are looking for people with opinions. When it comes to the feature wall, you know what, honey, I'm, I'm with you on that. I've never sort of figured out the, um, the, the, the appeal of them, but I think there, I think that the, the way to approach that is to, um, try and express that opinion without denigrating those who might feel differently. Like you don't like feature walls, Tell me why. Give me three reasons that you that that you don't, and maybe um, three alternatives to a feature wall that that you think uh, work work better. And of course, one little trick, especially when you're first getting started, is at the end of expressing your opinion, um, say, "Oh, I wonder how others feel," or "I'd love to I'd love to know what you think," because I find that um, if you round something off with you've given a strong opinion and then you round it off with inviting others to share their opinion, it sort of, it tends to diffuse it. People understand that you're not necessarily trying to hit them over the head with it. You're, you're not afraid to state what, what you think, but you're, you're also interested in, in what, other, what others think. That is such a good tip, by the way. Wonder what others think. How do you feel about this? Because it's also letting people know that you recognize, I recognize, that's my opinion. It doesn't mean that if you have a different opinion, I think less of you. Uh, And in fact, I'm sure there's somebody who can make a case that I'm completely wrong and future walls are the best thing ever. Um, I'm open to that. 
but I like what you said, kind of end it with what do you think or how do you feel about it? Or can I get a, can I get a yes, ma'am or something like that? Um, so that's a good place. So am, am I, am I in the right place for starting to develop being an opinionista through social media, my personal Facebook page, my Pinterest, my Insta account? Is that where I should begin to develop my confidence being an opinionista? Uh, yes, I, I believe it is. I think that uh, Instagram is a particularly interesting um, platform to do it on because it is so visual and you can communicate so easily uh, what your sort of visual opinion or your, your, sort of your, your, your vision, your taste, your, your ethos, whatever it is, so, um, so effectively through, through, through pictures. I guess... I am a little reluctant to suggest that Facebook or Twitter is a place to um, to jump in too too quickly or too heavily because we've seen that too often that just devolves into you know um, a food fight with people sort of hurling um, hurling insults and and people can get very heated very, uh, very quickly. And what I've noticed too is that, you know, if I write, if I post an opinion that's, um, political in nature, and then someone comes back and says, well, that's completely wrong. And you're totally wrong because ABC. And then I go back and say, well, in fact, A is incorrect. B is not supported. And C is, uh, you know, there's another way to look at it. Sometimes you will, you will, the, the response you will get will be that, oh, you're being a bully. You're, you're not, you're not nice. Well, I'm not being a bully. I'm just making a logical, uh, response to, to, to what you've been, been saying. But because people are not comfortable, a lot of people aren't comfortable with that, that level of debate, it can get, it can, it can quickly feel like, uh, an, an attack to them. So I would say that yeah, just starting by by couching your opinions um, in the most in, in diplomatic language and and acknowledging from the get go that this is an opinion that that's a good uh, that's a good place to start. Yeah, and I think for the purposes of our conversation, we're going to stick to opinions about design and decorating because politics is way too complicated these days. So I'm not going to touch that. I'm not even going to go there. Yeah, and I, yeah. I agree with you. I I'm, I hesitate to have any opinion about politics on on a public forum like that these days because it too quickly devolves into, as you said, a food fight, which is a great visual, by the way. So here's how I think it matters to those of us who are small business owners who run interior design firms, um, how it really matters that we have an opinion. Clients are hiring us to make choices on their behalf. They want to have a beautiful living room or a beautiful kitchen or family room, whatever it is. And they're asking us, what do you think? And some of us, and this is certainly true for me, I was programmed at a young age to be afraid to state my opinion, even though I had a strong one. Um, And it really took a lot of conscious effort on my behalf to be able to say to clients, this is what I would do. Number one, uh, state a strong opinion. This is my choice for the countertop for your kitchen. And then number two, to be able to defend it 
politely and respectfully if they have a different opinion. So, I mean, you run your own business. Have you encountered that as well, that it sometimes can be challenging to state your opinion to clients? It can be very challenging, especially when they think, you know, they've, they've written something and they think that the message is, is, is great or it, it fits really well. And I know from um, just a, a communications perspective that, that it doesn't work. But I think at that point it goes back to the notion of, of, of confidence. If I'm hiring you as a designer, that is because I respect your, I respect your opinion. And because at the end of the day, I know that your opinion is based on not just exquisite taste, but years of experience. You know things about design and decorating that, that I don't know. I know things about writing and communication that a lot of people uh, don't know. So if I, if I hire you and I say, oh, Kimberly, I want to do, do a feature wall in the bedroom, and I'd like the feature wall to be purple, and I'd like the rest of the wall to be white, um, then you can not only, I mean, you can have an opinion that, that that's not going to work, but you also have the design experience to explain to me why um, it's, it's not going to work. And to my mind, you know, any client who really wants to get their, the, 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 the full value out of you is going to be open to those, to those opinions. And, and that might be, you know, a message that you can diplomatically communicate is, you know, Hey, this is, this is why you hired me because I know this stuff. I, I've been, you know, living, breathing, working it for, for however long it's, it's, it's my, it's the value I bring to the table. And yeah, and it's so funny that you happen to use that example of a purple wall with the rest of the room white. Honestly, I'm so visual that I think my eyes started bleeding just now. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't mess with me like that, Vicki. <laughs> I was really painful. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I already feel bad for somebody who likes that look. So I want you to know I'm open to changing my opinion about feature walls. If you have a strong opinion and you think you can persuade me, I would love to hear about it. Um, I have found that... Um, the the more the longer I'm in the game, the easier it is for me to have an opinion, right? I mean, you you develop a certain amount of um, street cred from having done this job over and over and over again. Can you think back to when you were first starting out? What advice would you give that budding uh, new design professional in terms of owning an opinion, having a personality, and owning the opinion? I think the advice that I would give to them is to for them to keep in their mind that that uh, opinion, that those strong views are not, in fact, a liability. They are an asset because they communicate uh, not only who you are, but they are going to enable you to continue to develop a look, uh, uh, a brand that that people want. Will it be what everybody wants? No. And the people who really want that purple, sorry, (laughs) want a feature wall are going to go somewhere else and work with somebody who thinks that they are A-OK and superbly fantastic. But, um, but, but for, for, for you to develop that sort of visual voice, that, that brand, I think is going to, it's going to be an asset in, in the long term, especially in an age where people are talking about 
personality as a as a driver for for design. Everybody wants sort of a, a customized space. They want a space that reflects who they are. But what I would try and explain to any client is that that you can that, that as a designer you can help me to have my personality uh, shine through in that room without um, that, that that's different from you just saying yes to everything uh, everything I want like okay I like purple maybe you know I should listen to Kimberly about the best way to incorporate that into the into the room and maybe you know I should listen to Kimberly to say well maybe you know if we move to a a, a, a hue that's more plum or that's more navy. Um, in the end, you know that that that's going to be more successful in in the room, and have confidence and be able to keep communicating to your client that um, that that you're having an opinion, that you're having a point of view, doesn't necessarily negate their ability to have the kind of space they want, it's actually going to enhance it because you are going to be able to help them translate their vision into something that looks fabulous. Yeah. So if they say, I I love purple and I want to do a a purple feature wall, then I can say, I think the better way to get a room that's the right color of plum or lavender or mauve that you're calling purple would be to do the following. Um, And that's something we have to be very careful about as well as semantics and language. I'm working with a client right now whom I just love and we're doing the second project we've done for them. And the very first thing she said to me was she wanted to eliminate all of the rustic elements of her current farmhouse. And terrific, we're moving on. She's sending me photos of things she loves from her Pinterest account. And boy, every single photo is rustic. And I keep saying, I think this is rustic. And she'll say, no, this is farmhouse chic. So I'm trying to wrap my head around what does she mean by she doesn't want any rustic touches like you know what i mean like semantics can be tricky too i think the design media has uh has to take some responsibility for that too because i think typically we have tried to sort of uh label things partly because we want to be we're trying to tell readers that we've got something um new to tell to tell them but I mean, tell me when refined elegance hasn't been part of design. Tell me when rustic elements haven't been, you know, part of design. A lot of these, you're right, a lot of these um, these catchphrases become just just that, and they don't really, I, I don't think they, they really um, say a lot. A few years ago, the, uh, the, the big phrase was eclectic. Oh, I yeah. mean... <laughs> What is, what is that? What does that mean? I actually know where that got its start. I think I know where that got its start. Uh, in the 1600s, 1700s, the wealthy gentry could go on holiday and visit. If you lived in Italy, you'd go to France and you'd go to Germany and you'd go to uh, uh, 
I don't know. What else is in Europe? Help me here. <laughs> you'd go to France. You'd Switzerland. Go, you'd go to Switzerland. That's right. And you would come back with these treasures. You would come back with a table that was made in France. And you'd come back with a lamp that came from Germany. And you'd come back with, you know, a piece of artwork that came from Switzerland. And they put it all together. And it was kind of a grand tour style, which became eclectic. But the thing is, back then... Um, styles didn't vary so much from one country to another because artisans would travel, right? And someone from Italy would move to England or somebody from England would move to France and they would bring what they learned from their previous country to the new country. So things did kind of have a flow where today eclectic can mean, um, you know, a beautiful French armoire and then a blue coyote from Santa Fe and, uh, you know, a modern chair from Milan. And that's not eclectic. That's a disaster. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's funny. That is, that's another term that's kind of one of my pet peeves. And there's another opinion. See, I can't stop having an opinion. Well, good, good. That's a good thing. Um, and that, that opinion, that opinion was not only an opinion, but it was an informed opinion. So you gave me some perspective on, you know, where your opinion is, is coming from. And, and I think that, um, I think that in the end, people actually appreciate that because they're learning something from you. It, it's not just, you know, it's not just you throwing out, uh, throwing out an idea, but it's, it's backing it up and giving it some, some context. And I think people like that. I think that they are hungry for that, as a matter of fact. So it goes back to something that you talked a little bit about in the the first time you were on the podcast, and I think that was episode number 29, you talked about having a personality and being authentic and that um, as a design professional, that is who clients want to hire. Oh, absolutely. I mean, think of you know, think of the, some of the great figures in uh, in, in design. Um, you know, Coco Chanel comes to mind off the top of my head. Um, those, you know, the the greats have distinct personalities, um, and they're not afraid to they're they're not afraid to lay those personalities bare and and you know say what's on their mind and and what what they're thinking. I find too one of the you know people are often afraid to um say what they're thinking but I, I think frequently it's what other people are actually thinking but because they don't want to be the one to say I really don't like feature walls people you know stay quiet about it. Um and I think one of the things you do by having an opinion is, in fact, you're not shutting others down. You're actually opening, you know, you're opening the door for other people to have their own opinions and to talk about what what they like and what kind of spaces they like and what their pet peeves are. I think that in the end, it's, um, you know, it's a more, you can have more open dialogue and more open discussion and people can, you're actually allowing people to have spaces that are more personalized and more suited to, to what they love. I think that's a great thing. You know, and some opinions, I'm just thinking about the fact that I'm not a big fan of mint green the color. And it's because when I was in grade school, I was always in trouble and I was always in the corner and every classroom was painted mint green. There must've been a reason back then that they painted all the classrooms this mint green. So I have like almost a natural aversion to that color. So there's an opinion I have. And I recognize, even as I say that opinion, that lots of people love mint green and I'm positive in the right circumstances, I might 
love mint green too. You know what I mean? So it's okay sometimes even with clients to say, my personal feeling is I'm not crazy about that, but it's not really based on some principle you need to be aware of. It's just a personal preference. Um, So you can state that up front sometimes as well, can't you? Yes, you can. And I think one of the things that I've really noticed about uh, designers is, is when it comes to color, when it comes to color choices, you know what? Vicki Sanderson is just going to shut up and listen because that picking colors is uh, an art. And, you know, even if I, uh, you know, maybe if, even if I love mint green, but that might not be a good example because that is a personal preference. But if I say, oh, let's paint, you know, I love uh, electric green. Um, and Kimberly says, well, you know, when I have this effect on the lighting or the room, I really feel like that's one of those places where I've always, always, always appreciated listening to the designer's opinion when it comes to color because that's a skill that... Um, that you folks have that I do not. Interesting. Okay, well, let's let's wrap up the conversation on having an opinion with design intervention. And this is a really easy one because I'm going to just ask you to give me some of your opinions. You've been writing about interior design so long. I'm putting you on the spot. Tell me a few things you love and tell me a few things you hate or wish we would move away from. Oh golly! Oh, that is um, that is a tough one. I think I would. One of the things that I'm finding slightly irritating now is a, sort of a rush towards what people are calling minimalism, and you know all this advice on um, uh, organization and uh, and purging and and what have you. I'm going to tell you the shorter version of every single article I've ever written, uh, read about, uh, about that is you have too much stuff, get rid of some of it and don't buy too much more. (laughs) Um, you know what? And I think that that's, that's true of, of a lot of people. I also think that, I I think that we, I'm finding that we te- over the the last the times that I've been writing about this, I keep seeing seeing these swings back and forth. This is in style. This isn't out of style. You know, this is in. This is out. This is in. I think that we need to really encourage people again to find their own find their own look, find what they love, and if it you know makes them happy, brings them joy. I don't care whether it's going to be on the cover of Style at Home next month or I'm going to see it in the pages of House and Home. It's 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 what I like, and a good designer will help me uh, translate and bring that 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 bring that look to 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 fruition, make it a reality. And it doesn't have to be. I think again, my my, my main peeve is that I still think that we are chasing trends. Uh, too uh, ambitiously and not just um, allowing our own personal taste to, um, to, to shine through. 
And that ties right back into our topic about having an opinion. I don't care if um, mint green is on trend. It doesn't work for me and I can own that and I can respect that my best friend beside me loves mint green and is going to want yeah. to have every room in her house be mint green. You go for it. That's awesome. Well, good, good you. And I, I, hope it makes, I hope it makes her happy. I do not like tassels. A girl. <laughs> I do not like tassels. I don't want to see any more um, uh, lampshades with tassels dangling from them, or uh, I, I don't want them on the trim of a sofa. All I can think about is um, is uh, vacuuming. I am not crazy about uh, live edge tables because when I set my table uh, set my table for guests, I want everything to line up nicely. Um, I get that they look beautiful maybe in a, like a, as a console, but for a dining table, no, I'm, I'm old fashioned. I just like straight, you know, straight lines. I find them hard um, to dust too. Is that crazy? Hard to dust. Hard to what? Dust. Oh yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like they're always when kind I, of dusty yep. on the edges and then you have to kind of take forever to like, how lazy am I that I can't dust my dining room table, but there you go. You have more important things to do, my dear. And the ones with the big, like, holes in the middle, I know I'm going to knock a, a glass of red wine down that on onto the carpet. <laughs> so that, that's one of those things I just, I don't, I'm, but I know some people love them, and that's okay. It's just not my thing. Here's one that would really get me into trouble with designers, I know. You know how the thing is now to take uh, draperies all the way up to the ceiling? Yes. I don't like that. Really? Because when the drape no, I don't because when the drapes are open, I find it extremely irritating to see the expanse of wall between the window and the ceiling. And and I know that that is a that is going to be an extremely unpopular opinion and it's certainly probably a minority one, but there's something about it that really irritates me. I want the drapes to hug the window. Oh my gosh. I No, I like them all the way up to the ceiling. I really do. But I think that I when I do them up to the ceiling, I tend to use a KS track or a hospital track. So there isn't that brown or black, you know, bar that runs through the available wall space. Does that make sense? Yeah, so I, need I think that makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But again, it's just, you know, it's, it's a, it's a personal, it's a personal thing. I don't know why um, it, it bothers me. One other thing, now that I'm on a roll. One Honestly, other this is I so good. <laughs> Wind you up, Aunt Vicky. My... <laughs> well, you, you asked, honey. Um, I'm walking through my, my neighborhood, which like every other neighborhood in the city is having the small post-war bungalows torn down and these huge... Um, places uh, being put up in their stead. And what I want to, what I find extremely irritating is I'm walking along the street, and first of all, there's too many of them that have, like, really peaky windows at the top, like mm. little sort of peak, like a kind of a faux chateau. Um, and And then the front of it is some kind of, like, stone or fake stone that's supposed to look like stone, and then the whole rest of the house is, is brick. I find it irritating that the that there's so much um, that they're trying to make me showing me the facade of the house that 
is supposed to look like something that I don't know, like Dr. Shivago called. He wants his house back. <laughs> I, I don't know why. Like what's wrong with, what's wrong with a nice red brick all the way, you know, front, back, sides, um, and just a, a simple roof line. So is it kind of like the, me, they put the fancy stone on the front and then the, the sides are a humble brick, so they're saving some money? Is that kind of yeah. what that's about? Yeah, yeah. I can see that. I, I know yeah, people do but that. You know, yeah. you're, not, you're, not, you're not fooling me. And, and I, find that, um, I find that there's just too many finishes on them. But again, that's a minority opinion because every house in my neighborhood that's going up they're they're doing that, but it's just it's not my thing. You know what? I think it's great. Sometimes it can be really liberating and really freeing just to know that you have opinions and state them. And so for anybody who's listening who says, you know, I haven't taken any chances on my social media page in terms of decorating and design um, to state some of my opinions, I think it's a great conversation starter and nobody gets hurt. You know what I mean? Nobody's going to have a food fight over whether or not you take the drapes to the ceiling. I can't see it getting heated. I can see us getting to know um, some new facts and new information about each other. So I'm all for sharing opinions. And uh, you have a you have great opinions all the time. I look forward to reading more of your columns. I'm going to send you a question on Ask Aunt Vicky, uh, And you have to add some more content to your peace of mind section because I, I, I like that. As a matter of fact, I'm working on a piece right now for that on uh, on the notion of minimalism. Oh. So um, stay tuned, and uh, Aunt Vicky will have more to say on that soon. <laughs> Thank you so much, Vicky, for taking time out of your day. I really appreciate you talking to us. It's absolutely been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. At Business of Design, we know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate business challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, plus access to Kimberly Selden as your mentor and guide. Unlike traditional coaching, which can take years to produce tangible results, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $67.50. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today. Start today.